You're listening to the Go-Getter Podcast. I'm your host, Candice Janae, founder and CEO of Epic Fab Girl, a community helping Christian women entrepreneurs build profitable brands and grow their faith. Whether you're just getting started or you already have an established brand, this podcast will drop gems, bringing you tips and strategies from experts to teach you how to build, grow, and monetize your business with God at the center of your life. Let's jump right in to today's episode. Hey, Go-Getters, and welcome to another episode of the Go-Getter podcast. It's your host, Candice Janae, and I am so excited about today's special guest. We are talking about corporate sponsorships for experts and entrepreneurs, and we've got the expert herself, Afwa Osei. She's an amazing entrepreneur. We actually connected online, and I really wanted to be able to platform her story because I believe that she has a powerful message to share with the world. So I'm excited to have you here, Afwa. Welcome to the Go-Getter podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm part of the crew, like the cool kids club. I'm like, yes, I'm a go getter let's go yes I'm here for it and I feel like you know most of us go-getters we've been go-getters from birth right like we chasing yes our teachers were tired of us absolutely I love to see it so I would love to hear just your personal journey to like how you got to where you are and like what is it that you currently do so if if people are new to you like tell us a little bit about yourself where you're from how you got to where you are today I like to say that I'm not supposed to be where I'm at right now. I promise you, it was never part of the plan. Girl, God has been dragging me along all along the way because I actually thought that I was going to be an elected official. That was the plan. I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland. So shout out to everybody from the DMV. And I loved community affairs. I loved public service. And I really was like, this is where where I'm at. I was active in politics and campaigns. I studied political science in college, but I like, I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And let me tell you what happened. I got an opportunity to go to public policy school and in Chicago, actually. So I went to University of Chicago. And while I was there, a couple of things. One, I saw that all the fine boys were wearing suits and they were going to business school. And I said, oh, there's something happening there. There's something happening that I need to get into. So that was number one. Number two, I saw that there were a lot of smart people who were looking at public policy and business. And this was before like social impact and social enterprises all the way popped off. Back then, it used to be that you either did nonprofit work or you were a business person. And I think at the time, people were like, no, 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 you can do good business that allows you to make money, but also helps the community too. And I said, you know what? That sounds like me because I don't want to be broke, but I also don't want to build anything that's destructive. And I don't know why it has to be one or the other. Some of my classmates were looking at applying to business school. They were looking at this whole joint degree thing. And I said, you know, when smart people are doing things, you need to pay attention to them. And And that policy has always helped me in life. I would get into summer programs because my friends were like, oh, I'm applying to this. I ended up being a Fulbright scholar in Malaysia because other people were applying. I said, hey, y'all going? I'm going too. So once I saw that people were doing that, I said, that's fantastic. And the last thing that happened is I was really interested in urban development. That was going to be my policy area. Affordable housing, I think, is so important, especially in our metropolitan areas. It doesn't make sense that workers and people who work really hard can't live in the city that they're spending so much money to get around. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. So I was applying for a bunch of affordable housing, real estate development jobs back in DC and Baltimore. And they were like, we only take MBA students. I said, but I'm taking the same economics classes. y'all. I know how to run statistical models. I know how to do all of this. They were like, no, we only take MBAs. So I said, okay, I guess I'm gonna go and get me an MBA, study for a whole year took the GMATs during my spring break, applied third round. Anybody who applied to business school knows that third round is like the round of death. You don't apply that round. And I got in, got to business school. And I was like, wow, this is a whole different world. People making money, people doing great things. Got into business school. I ended up serving as a management consultant at McKinsey and Company, got an offer to go to Lagos, Nigeria. My family's not Nigerian. 
if I moved my stuff my whole life in a shipping container that got there four months after I did, was a management consultant working all across Sub-Saharan Africa. I had clients in Europe, in Australia. I spent six months working in a mine in Australia and uh, worked in Silicon Valley for clients. And But in the back of my head, I always had this idea around social impact, social enterprise. And I wanted to take all of the privilege and the resources and the opportunities that I received and shared it with others, especially when it came to finding success in your businesses and your careers. There's so many things that people don't tell you are important and you realize after the fact or you realize after somebody else got that opportunity. And I was like, how can I share? How can I pull this information together? Had this idea for a platform called She Leads Africa. Started it by myself. Anybody starting a business by yourself, you know it's really hard. Did that, was able to connect with a fellow McKinsey colleague. We hosted a pitch competition for young women who wanted to build high growth businesses. And we were like, okay, maybe a couple of people will apply. We had 400 people apply from more than 15 countries. We raised the money to fly them into Lagos. We had Forbes as a sponsor. We had all these different brands. And then after the event, people were like, what's next? I'm like, I got PowerPoint slides to design. Like, I'm still a consultant. And from there, it really kicked off an incredible experience, an incredible community. The company now reaches almost a million people. We've hosted events on three different continents. We've worked with all of your favorite brands, Facebook, Google, L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, Visa, so many other, Mitsubishi. I'm like, I'm working with car companies. I'm working with finance companies. And from there, I really learned about the power of brand partnerships. And now I help other people do it for their own business as well. So that's my whole life story. I don't know my blood type, so I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. But that's really, that's how I got here. And I'm not, I that wasn't the plan, y'all. But every single experience built up and really helped contribute it. And so I was like, wow, I'm a media entrepreneur and I'm a strategist and I'm helping people make lots of money and create impact. And I love this life. I am here for it. I just love how the journey, first of all, I love how similar our journey is. I went to business school and worked for Accenture and then transitioned into um, uh, corporate or non-corporate um, in entrepreneurship. And so I think it's interesting how you shared this story of like this full blown journey of like, you thought you were doing one thing, but then God kind of shifted you into another space, exposed you to the world in a global way that you had never yes. seen. And then you're able to use those unique talents and abilities. And one of the things I always talk about when it comes to like purpose and destiny is that, you know, not only will God use like our unique talents and abilities, but he will allow for us to experience unique things so that we can add, you know, additional value to the world in a different way, right? Like you're a black woman from PG County, Maryland, who now was, you know, working with corporations that are in Lagos and places like Australia. And it's like that perspective as a black woman is so powerful. And then to be able to shift that and like help people that look like you and help people that want to get to the next level. I think that's major, but I think it's beautiful because it was like, God, like this was the plan the whole time. (laughs) Yes. And absolutely. And I think whenever I get the question that's like, oh, how did you know what you were going to do? How did you know that this was the right step? I'm like, nobody ever knows right? It's about faith and it's about being open. And so every single time when there was a juncture, it was like, I'm not sure, but every single time I've taken a leap, it's always worked out. I've never flopped. That doesn't mean I've been successful in everything, but I've never flopped because there's value in each of those experiences and they absolutely build up. When I worked on political campaigns, I worked in communications. I worked in writing. I was an intern in the White House. And one of my major jobs was to make sure that every single thing that went out from the correspondence department was accurate, was correct. Running a media business, that's exactly the same standard that I held my team to. And that experience is what taught me and what helped me get there. And so when we put, send out proposals and pitches, people are like, wow, this is so good. I'm like, because I've been practicing. I didn't know I was going to practice. I didn't know this is what I'd be using it for. But it absolutely all came together. And it was just about being open and saying, you know what, this seems interesting enough. I think it's going to be a good job, a good experience. Let's go and see what happens. Love it. So tell us 
a little bit more about exactly what do you do today, right? Like you take this information that you knew um, in these unique experiences, but now you're actually serving other people. So tell us a little bit about exactly what you do. The wildest thing, like the wildest thing that happened when we first started the business and we were really thinking about our business model was like, listen, we, my business partner and I were both corporate consultants, which meant, which meant we traveled actually Sunday through Friday morning. We traveled Sunday afternoon, came back Friday morning, and we still had jobs for me, at least I had still had a job for two years after we first launched the brand in the community. So it was really about like, what's the best business model that aligns with our lifestyle? And it wasn't going to be direct to consumer at first. I said, I don't have the capacity. We don't have the time and we don't have the tech. Also, this was back in 2014. People weren't doing Instagram shopping. You couldn't do like direct links to buy. Like, yes, Squarespace was popping, but it was not as easy to get money from a direct consumer as it is now. And so we're like, you know what? We can probably manage a couple of bigger clients, a couple of bigger projects because it requires less day-to-day maintenance. And I was so shocked by how little information there was out there about B2B, so business to business, or corporate sales. Most of it is like hidden, it's secret, it's something that big companies do. But I'm like, I'm a small business, I'm an entrepreneur, but I need these type of contracts and I know that these companies need my service. How come no one is telling me how to navigate it? Or why is it that all the people that are telling me how to navigate this are old and white? If you're old and white, no offense to you, shout out to you, but I'm like, your story is not my story. And you don't know what it's like going into a room, being the youngest person by far, and trying to convince these people that, yes, they absolutely should give you $150,000, $200,000, $300,000 for this internet thing or for this event. And so I was like, I want somebody to come and teach me. I didn't have anyone to teach me. It was a lot of trial and area. So right now, I just say, hey, I'm going to help you figure it out. I'm going to give you the playbook to help you understand how to position yourself, how to create a product that actually makes sense, how to navigate those conversations and how to, how to set up your pricing so that you're actually able to generate real revenue because it's such an important business model. It's not like, there's just not one way to run your business. And I want more people to see the options and what exists for them. So I help experts. And I'm like, you're a smart person. Companies are paying a lot of money for consultants, advisors, for trainers, for guest speakers. They just don't know you exist. How can we get you in the conversation? I also help entrepreneurs. So people who either have a digital business or they have a service that they want to deliver, how can they create their own sales infrastructure model? But because I'm just like, yo, the money is out there. And many companies spend a lot more money doing business to business than they do with direct to consumer. I'm like, but we're just not accessing the pie. We're just not a part of the conversation. Ooh, we gonna get into that. I can't wait to hear it. Cause listen, we all want a piece of that pie, especially like you said, as experts. And I think sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't always see our value and our value to corporations and like the value that we bring into the spaces that we could potentially walk into, but we're just not seeing it for ourselves yet. So I want to get to know a little bit more about you. So we're going to play a quick little game. It's our getting to know this go-getter segment. Um, So pretty much all you have to do is go ahead and just share the first thing that comes to mind. I just want to warn you, I'm horrible at these like my brain starts stuttering so I'm gonna do but I'm gonna say something but I can't I can't tr- trust what I'm about to say I'm gonna just okay. let you know I'm, I'm gonna keep it simple so <laughs> what's your favorite color blue Ooh, you were quick with that I'm like, Ooh, I have a whole like wall downstairs that's painted blue so I'm like that's the easy answer listen okay so braids or a twist out braids Ooh, here for it. You got braids on today. Yes. What would you say is your superpower? This this might be the one. Yes. I am really good at breaking problems down. Like from a big picture to say, okay, so this is the plan and this is what we about to do. Mm. That's it. Go. It don't matter what the issue is. It could be a cooking recipe. It could be how we're going to fundraise for this political candidate. It's going to be, how do we get this hair done? Break it down, create a plan. Let's get to it. Listen, you are such a go-getter. Because <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh my God, that's mine too. Because I'm like, 
it's a whole mind map in my head. I got the plan. Um, What book are you reading right now? Okay, so I actually just bought it. I actually just bought it. It's called Super Maker by Mm -hmm. Jamie Schmidt. And she, you know, she had the deodorant company, Schmidt Mm -hmm. Naturals, and she sold it to Unilever. So I'm like, people's making companies and selling it. I need to read more about what they're doing. But it's really about creating business on your own terms. And that's what I'm all about. Like that model that other people have been following, it was never made for us. It was never designed for us. So we need to create something that actually works for us. So good. And last but not least, what is a favorite Bible verse of yours or something that's kind of like a go-to Bible verse or even what's kind of speaking to you right now in like this current season? Oh, so my verse for the year is Joshua 1, 9. Girl, don't play with me. <laughs> Girl, I'm writing a Do book Do not right be now. afraid. Do Listen. not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. And I think that yeah. as we move into new spaces, it's like, it can be very intimidating, especially when it comes to corporate partnerships. We're like, oh my gosh, this is such a big name. This is such a big company. They're so well-known. They're so famous. Do not be afraid. Every single room you go into, every single email conversation, every single DM, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's it. That's the one. Listen, that's it. That's the one. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Um, That's literally, that's one of my go-to Bible verses. And um, I feel comfortable sharing it with my podcast listeners and you as well. I'm in the process of writing a book that I'm going to be releasing yeah. later this year. And girl, it's called Bold and Courageous. It's all about walking in your God-given authority. And it's all based in Joshua 1 and 9. But I love it that you said what you said, which is what the Bible says, is that God will be with you wherever you go. And I think a lot of times as go-getters, we come up against these impossible seemingly or seemingly impossible situations or situations where you can be intimidated, but do not be afraid. So here we go. Um, Yes. So let's transition into um, the conversation around kind of corporate partnerships and sponsorships. Um, I want to kind of start with something light. And um, are there any like partnerships that are like creative partnerships that you've seen that kind of have inspired you to kind of, because we talked a little bit about, you know, business being done a certain way, but then like, I feel like we're in 2021. So there's so many creative partnership opportunities. So what are some of the creative partnerships that you've seen that have inspired you to think differently about partnering? Yes. What I always try to remember when it comes to partnerships is that it's not always about money, which is tough because we're like, we need this money to pay these bills and we need this money to pay this team. And we had a team of 20 people and every single month is like, is there money in the bank? And so I think that once hopefully you're able to move a little bit beyond money, that opens your eyes to all the possible ways that both sides of the equation can gain value because a partnership is about you benefiting and that organization or that company benefiting as well. One of my favorites is Spotify and their artist program. Spotify knows almost everything about us for real, for real. They know what mood we're in. We, they know what music we're listening to. And for many platforms, they keep that to themselves. They don't share. They keep it to themselves so that they can better market and create better products to target their consumer. But this program expands access and give it gives it to the artist. And so the artist and Spotify are partners. As consumers, we're not yet partners yet. But essentially, if you're an artist in this program, you can see where people are listening to your music. You can see what they're excited about, because then that helps you make better decisions. And so they had a partnership with WizKid and WizKid was going on tour in the US and they were able to send out a message to consumers like myself to say, hey, I know you live in the DMV. WizKid is coming to Silver Spring and he's doing a concert within you know, a 20 mile radius of where you live. You should go to that concert. I'm going to give you early access. That is incredible for an artist because they probably don't have my email address. They probably don't know how to reach me, but Spotify is able to give access to that data and to that database. Spotify wins because I'm probably going to listen to more music before I go to the concert. And the artist wins as well because they're getting direct access to the consumer. So really creative partnerships that are around data 
that are around access, that are around community are so powerful because it's not always about the money exchange. And some brands won't have the amount of money that's really what we're looking for, but they might have other assets that's much more authentic usage of their resources. And I think that when it comes to nonprofits and corporates, that's really important because a lot of nonprofits are like, I just want your donation. It's like, yeah, get a donation, but also see if you can get that CEO involved as well. Also see if you can get some service hours from those team members and being creative about what success looks like or what you're asking for really opens up the realm of possibilities for you. Yeah, I feel like what you shared is is exactly that. It feels very limitless, but it also feels like there's so much opportunity for creativity and for just creative ways to connect with your consumer. And, you know, definitely with music, like there are definitely things that align, especially from like a Spotify and a, um, you know, an artist like WizKid. But have you ever seen like other partnerships where you're like, "Mm, I wouldn't have seen these companies partnering, but they are. And they made this work. Like, do you have examples of that? Yeah. So I think a lot of the food partnerships are really weird. But let's think about like Crocs and Balenciaga. And you're like, hold on. Crocs is what healthcare professionals were wearing. And it's become so mainstream and it's become so culturally relevant. And that's because they're like, I'm going to keep my style. And I think that's really important. I'm going to keep my style. I'm going to keep my structure, but I'm going to connect to a new interpretation of this idea. I'm going to share it and it's going to be interesting and creative. And I really like that. It doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem forced. It seems like, okay, this is Crocs, but this is Crocs in a Balenciaga format and it's given luxurious vibes. And when I wear my Crocs, my feet already feel luxurious. So I like this kind of combination. You're like, hmm, I would have never pitched that, but it's cool and it's interesting and it makes sense. I really like that. What I also think is compelling is from a talent perspective. Like when you see organizations bringing in really smart talent, and we see this actually in a lot in the agency world, So people who have PR agencies and people who have marketing agencies, they're hiring or they're acquiring those agencies. And the partnership is because they want that talent. They want those smart people in the room. They know that through their ideas and through their expression, they're going to be able to add value as well. So it's not, I want you to change and I want you to adjust to us. It's like, hey, we need what you have. Come and bring that over and come and share that with us. Yeah, I I think I want to reel it back a little bit for someone who may be new to like the partnerships world. They may, I think it may be easy to see kind of like the benefit of from an external perspective of, you know, a Balenciaga and a Crocs like partnering. But what does that look like behind the scenes when it comes to partnerships? Is there an exchange of money? Are there contracts? I'm sure there's contracts, but typically Um, You know, I'm just trying to ask from like a bare minimum level, like, what does that look like behind the scenes? Is there like, how do you decide like who's going to be the one paying for what? Right. Yes. So the first thing, the first thing that really matters is that you have to have an idea. Somebody on someone's team is going to have an idea. So if you're an expert and an entrepreneur, one thing I don't like seeing is when people are waiting. And I think in the influencer world, that kind of has gotten a lot of people feeling like, oh, brands are going to reach out to me. They're going to be in my DMs. They're going to want me to create for them. And I think that if you want to take ownership of this and you want to pursue partnerships, you have to come up with the concept. And you come up with, I want to achieve this goal. And I have this vision for how I want to achieve it. So you're having an event and you're like, you know what? I really want I really want this hair care brand to sponsor. And I don't want them to just give me product because that's an easy way for people to just, I'm going to just give you some product. But you're like, no, no, no. I want them to come and do a demonstration of different methods that you can use to have your hair look good when you go to sleep at night, right? There's the pineapple method. You can put a scarf, you can put a bonnet. Like I want them to come and do some educational things. So you, as the expert or the entrepreneur, you have to take ownership of that idea. Then you want to do your research on who might be the right type of fit, who is doing innovative, you know, collaborations, because some brands are boring. Let's be honest, not everybody is a good fit, because they don't have the vision, they don't have the creativity. And that actually happened with me, there was a big conglomerate, and they had a lot of different brands 
underneath their umbrella. One of the brand managers was like, yo, anything you got, bring me all your ideas. I'll make it happen. Another brand manager, this person's colleague was like, no, 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 no. We only like to do it this one way. This is the only way we're going to do it. There's nothing I could do to convince that person. So that's not the kind of person that you want to work with, that you want to talk with. So you want to observe and be like, who's creative? Who's trying new things? Who does exhibitions or who's doing digital partnerships? So that you start to build your list. From there, building relationships. You can spend time on LinkedIn, going to webinars, going to events, going to conferences and summits like the Go-Getter conference that's coming up, talking to people in the room so that you can share who you are and the ideas that you have. Then your desire is to get on the phone, get a call, get a Zoom meeting, and your job is to sell the vision, not the technical details. You want them to be like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I want to be there. I want to be inside that. Because the idea that you have is not going to be the final version. Because in a partnership, both sides are allowed to bring their contributions, bring their ideas, but you're selling them on the vision. From there, you want to talk about technical details, the money that's going to be exchanged, if they're going to do any kind of in-kind, which means that they're sharing or they're paying for it, but they're not giving you cash. You want to look at the different schematics. Once you decide on that, it then goes into a project management perspective. And then you promised somebody a vision. So now it's your job to make sure that you're executing it consistently. You're checking in with them over the phone or via email. You're tracking what was agreed upon in the contract. And then you're really pushing forward to get those KPIs. But all in all, you as the expert, as the entrepreneur, you have to have the idea. You have to have the concept that you want to get other people to buy into. I love that breakdown because I think definitely, especially in the influencer world, like you said, like sometimes you just think that brands are just going to hunt you down and find you and say, oh, there's this really great organization. And then, you know, you see other people working with brands and you're like, oh man, I'm missing out. Or, you know, you have these thoughts and feelings, but it's like, I love that because um, I love that you said it's, it starts with the vision and you having a clear vision of what you want to do. Um, because, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, as Christian entrepreneurs, we're supposed to write the vision and make it plain. And a lot of times when other brands are coming to you, asking you to partner with them, it's for their vision that they Mm want to push forward. And so sometimes you may get in a place where you're having to align with the vision that doesn't necessarily align to the vision that you had originally because you are looking for, you know, the money or you're looking for these opportunities. And so I think it's really great that you uh, started there and um, that that you took us through this journey of it doesn't just start with the idea. Yeah, it starts with the idea, but then you have to have these additional pieces behind the scenes. And so I think you did a really great job of just sharing with us what that looks like um, when it comes to someone who is just getting started right in the brand partnership space. What should that approach even look like or how do how should they even know if they're ready to actually start partnering with some of these big brands or even just like smaller brands as well? Absolutely. So I do have a free tool. You can go to partnershipaudit.com and it kicks you through a series of questions to really break down where you're at. But what I've seen in all my experience, the number one thing that you can do to get started, well, there's two things. is one, be really good at what you do. And then two, build the relationships before you need them. First and foremost is if you want somebody to pay you for something, especially a company to pay you, then you need to be able to prove that you can create some kind of impact. Now, impact isn't always money because people are like, well, I'm not a business coach and I don't teach sales. That's fine. If you are really passionate about empowering and encouraging women, then that's your impact. But you have to be able to prove that you can do that. How do you do that? You do that through testimonials. You do that through case studies. You do that by being able to say that when I first went into an organization, 60% of the women said that they didn't have the confidence to put their name forward for an upcoming promotion. After my two-hour training and my video series, that number went from 60% down to 20%. That's a 40% decrease in the confidence, impact, et cetera, et cetera. That's a measurable change. That's impact. If you're really good at copywriting, 
then maybe you're saving people time. And you want to say that organizations are going from spending two weeks to come out with a new email series to now only spending two days. You've now saved them over 100 hours and back and forth and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Time saved is important. That is a business metric. So then the first thing that you want to do is focus on the business impact. And if you don't know what kind of business impact that you can create, that like that's your job. Go and do that. Go and get that information. Go and get those testimonials. Get that measured of change. Once you're starting to do that, the next step is to start to build relationships. You have to be proactive and think about who do you even want to work with and where do those people sit within an organization? Not everybody needs to work with the marketing department. That's not for everybody. Unless you're doing you know, PR or influencer work, that probably is not your area. It might be the HR department. It might be the recruiters. It might be the CSR team. It might be the corporate communications team. It might be the diversity, equity, and inclusion teams. There are a lot of other teams within a company. So you have to really spend that time and think about who do I actually want to work with in an organization? And how do I start to learn more about them? How do I start to learn more about what their problems and their issues are and start to make some genuine connections? That means joining relevant groups, joining communities, attending events, so that you actually start to get to know people and people see you as an expert and as a problem solver. But that's where you just get started. One, being excellent at your work, and two, starting to build some really authentic relationships. Yeah. What advice do you have for people who want to build authentic relationships, but they don't want it to feel like forced, like you said, where it's like, yeah, I'm showing up at this event, but like, you know, what are some mistakes that you have seen people make in that space? The first mistake is always that people in their head are making so many assumptions about what other people are thinking about them. It's like business is forced, y'all. All business is forced. There's no business that is natural. It's forced because you have to present an offer to somebody and then they have to respond to it. It's not like you just magically people are throwing out money. Magically people are like, oh, let me pay for something. No, all business requires action and requires activity. I think the way that you make it not forced is by having your intentions be clean and clear. Like don't fake and don't pretend. I'm always like, hey, I want to learn more about what you do in case I might be of service. That's it. I'm not going into conversations to pitch people. I'm not going into conversations to try and manipulate people. But I'm clear, like, I want to get to know what's going on with you and what your problems are. So I think first is like, a lot of us are in our heads and we're assuming that people are thinking this. We're assuming that people are thinking that they're not thinking about you. They're not. They're in that room because they want to network and meet new people because maybe they want to get a promotion or they want to go to a new company or they're looking for someone to hire, right? They're like, ah, this is an issue. I need some help with this. I need people to hire. So first and foremost is always perspective. I think the second thing that people make a mistake around is um, they're not doing enough research about where their potential people might be. It might be Instagram, it might be TikTok, or it might be a private LinkedIn group, or it might be a webinar series. But I think that sometimes we're not thoughtful enough about who these people are and where can we find them. I think thirdly, like a short time frame is a major issue. It does take time to kind of get to know people, especially corporate contracts they can take much longer because more people have to approve it. And so you reach out to one person and they don't reach you back. And you're like, oh my gosh, they hate me. They don't hate you, they're probably busy. And so you just have to really keep that persistence and realize it's not gonna be a short amount of time. And then I think lastly, sometimes we don't even tell enough people. If you want to get booked for corporate contracts, if you wanna go on a university speaking tour, if you offer this product and service, and you think it'd be good for a company, let people know. Talk about it. Say, hey, I'm looking to get connected to HR managers that work at companies like this. If you know anybody, please give me the connect. Because you actually don't know who might be connected to somebody who might be able to refer you. But if you keep that to yourself or you keep it as a secret, then you're not going to get that opportunity. You're not going to be able to access that. So those are some of the top mistakes that I see that I'm always so confused by, like how people gonna know that you can do this if you don't let them know, if you're not telling them. You're dropping all the gems and it's free to ask, ask people for a resource, you know? Literally go on your LinkedIn. Here's a top tip. 
go on your LinkedIn. And I got this from a great public speaking coach. His name is Aurel Moody. And he was like, go on your LinkedIn and tell people to say, hey, I'm looking to speak at these type of events. Uh, if you are interested or that might be a good fit for your company, please let me know. It doesn't hurt to tell people. It doesn't hurt to let people know and see who comes in your inbox. If you are like, you know, end of year planning is coming up. If you are looking, if you want to do some like corporate planning retreats or you want to do some advising, let people know. If you would be great to help college students prepare their job applications or high school students to prepare their college personal statements and you want nonprofits and universities to hire you, let people know that. Because someone might be like, actually, my cousin, my auntie from church, she does this, let me do an introduction. And you would have never known if you would not have communicated that. But it's on you to know who you're even trying to get connected to and let that be known. So, so good. So good. Um, when it comes to actually like pursuing these opportunities, and I think once we do start talking about dollar amounts, right? So I think sometimes I hear that uh, a lot of the women in our community, they get stuck on the part where they're like, okay, how much value is this actually? Like, what should I really be charging? Are there any metrics that help you understand or like kind of gauge like how much you should be um, doing in exchange for like, like the, I guess the not, not necessarily speaker rates, but especially with like partnership stuff, like how do you determine if you're in the right space with that? And I've got lots of follow-up questions too. <laughs> so people hate when I give this answer about pricing, but it's so true. It's like, nobody can tell you your pricing, right? Nobody can decide that for you because it depends on so many factors. The number one thing that I think is most important is that you should feel happy with that number. You should not feel as if anybody cheated you or as if they like negotiated you down because you're not going to perform up to the standard and the level that you want to. So that's just like my top line answer. Now for the deep down answer, I think that so many of us undercut the amount of work and effort that it actually takes to produce something. We're undercutting it. We're not thinking about the total amount of hours. We're not thinking about the total like brain power that goes into it. We're not assessing all of the resources that came together to put that in. So I always think the most important thing is for you to really do a like a serious analysis of what it takes to create something or what it would take for someone else to do it if they weren't as good as you. Because that'll also give you a comparison that if they weren't as good as you, they probably have to spend this much time and energy researching. They'd have to spend this much time and energy putting together the document or the presentation. They'd have to spend this much time and money actually being able to communicate that and get that message across. They spend this much time and energy doing the back and forth correspondence and whatnot, like doing a really honest assessment of what it takes to be you and to do this work. Beyond that, I spend a lot of time doing market research and seeing how other people price themselves. It's really important. It's also really important for us to see how other people who are not us and who do not look like us, how do they price it? Look and go see what other people are doing as their consulting rates, what other people are doing on their speaking rates, what other people are doing on their training rates, and not people that look like you, not people who have the same background as you, because it's going to give you a better understanding. And then I think lastly, and it can be very challenging because sometimes we don't feel welcome or we don't have connections, but as best as possible to get to know some people in your space and field. I was able to join a really great mentorship program focused on mid-level and senior execs in marketing, advertising, and sponsorship. So those are the type of people that would be able to advise, this is actually how much people are getting paid in this space, or this is how much that we're paying for it, so that you have a better idea. But if you're trying to figure it out by yourself in a silo, you're going to always miss out. And then last but not least, I think you should always raise it quarterly or yearly just because of inflation and things are getting expensive. So you should not be charging the same thing you were charging in 2018 or 2019. 2020 was stressful. So even on stress alone, right? Like there's a thing called hazard pay where you work in a stressful place, where you work in a dangerous environment, you get an extra bonus on top. And I feel like the world, like everybody in the world deserves hazard pay after 2020 and 2021. So even add some more on top of that and let them negotiate you down. 
don't pre-negotiate yourself out of an opportunity. Don't pre-negotiate yourself because you're not sure if they're going to answer it. And if they say no, that's their business. But give the number that accurately reflects what you're doing and what you're contributing. Girl, I feel like you're giving us all the effort and energy to go ahead and go after this. One question I do have is like, how should one determine if this is something that they should pursue on their own versus hire someone else like an expert to do it for them? I love that question because it's really, really difficult. And I'm going to give difficult from the expert that you would hire, right? And why that person may not want to work with you, right? So corporate partnerships take a while. They take a long time, unless it's very urgent or it's time sensitive. It does take time to build the relationship and to position yourself as an opportunity. And then once you are in there, then it's very easy to continue the work. And so somebody else on the other side that you want to do the work for you is going to look at you and is going to assess, what does this person have for me to work with? Like, is this actually a product that I can sell? Do they have the track record? Do they have the expertise? Do they have a really strong story for me to sell? And then do they have a product that can be worth monetizing? If you don't have that, it's going to be hard for you to find somebody to work with you. Also, I want us to be realistic on cost and pricing. Because somebody came to me and they were like, okay, yeah, I want someone to work on this for me for $2,000 a month. And I said, hmm. Now, I think money is money. Like, so I will never, you'll never hear me talk down about money. But $2,000 a month is $24,000 a year. And that's not what an entry level person would get out of college. So you want somebody with a lot of connections and with a lot of expertise in this area. Break it down, (laughs) ma'am. To spend a lot of time to give you money and you want to pay them 2,000, like they should, that person should make it make sense. So of course I politely told that person, like I'm not the right person for you because it just, the math is not mathing. It doesn't make sense. And so you also want to think about the quality of person that you want to hire. What would they make if they had a regular schmegular job? right? That's probably a person who would earn six figures in corporate salary. So for them to work with you instead of their corporate job or for an agency or for anything else, the amount of money that they might be able to generate, whether it's from commission or retainer plus commission has to be worth it enough. So I would always tell somebody, do it yourself until you have a product that matches the level of person that you want to hire and bring on board. What you can do, so let's say step one is for you to do it yourself. Start with where you are, start with your own relationships and really figure out where do you wanna place yourself. Some people are heavy in the nonprofit and community impact space. That's their lane, that's where they wanna be at, good for them. Some people are in the tech space. They only work with tech companies and they like it. That was partly my brand. We were big in beauty, tech and consumer goods. We weren't doing a lot of other categories. So you might choose the category that you want to be in. Then you want to show that you're able to communicate effectively, negotiate a good deal, and get one or two projects underneath your belt. The next step would be perhaps hiring someone to help you better set up your systems so that you have a strong sales infrastructure and to help you with your strategy. So if you're like, you know what, I was able to do you know, $10,000 by myself last quarter but I wanna take it to like 20,000 or 30,000. How can I do that? Then you have a very specific problem that you wanna be solved. That person develops a strategy. And then once you've made a bit more progress, then I'd recommend that you outsource it. But for me, what I know for sure is nobody can sell like I can sell my own thing. And so you want someone to come on board and to sell for you. And if you don't know how to sell your own thing, you don't know the language to use, you don't know what gets people excited, you don't know about how to de- like develop that and tell that story. It's going to be really hard for someone else to come on board because they're going to be following you. You are setting the blueprint. You're setting the foundation. And then from there, they'll be able to take it to that next level. But it's really hard to start with somebody who doesn't have anything because you're like, what are I nothing to work with? Like, what am I, what am I doing? So that's my advice. It's like, see what you can do. And then when you have a very specific problem that you need to be solved, whether it is building out your sales infrastructure, whether it is expanding the type of clients you can work with, whether it's increasing the value to say, okay, I want to go from $2,000 speaking engagements to $10,000 speaking engagements, or I want to go from partnerships like consulting projects 
from $5,000 to $20,000. And that's a specific problem that you hire someone to solve as opposed to come and just do everything for me. Cause the person's going to be like, Mm-mm, you're not serious. Girl, you have dropped so many gems and you have helped me. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I, I'd be feeling guilty. Cause I'm like, I know I sell my stuff a certain type of way, but I, I think it's interesting that you said that once you kind of you know, you can basically systematize it once you kind of get it down pat to uh, a way that you do it every time. Um, So I know you already showed us that you have the audit, but in addition to that, do you have any other resources to help um, others get started with kind of uh, partnerships and speaking engagements and things like that? Absolutely. So I have a playbook. And it's focused on strategy and then pitching. Because my thing is strategy first, pitch second. Because you're sending a bunch of messages. You're trying to talk to people. You don't have no plan. You don't have no perspective. You don't know what's important to them. It's a waste of your time. So I have two online courses. And I'm like, take both. You got to take both. Strategy first and then pitch second. So you can access that on my website, ifosa.com. But what it takes you through is to really think about what are you really good at? What are the products the skills, the expertise that you want to offer to the corporate world and what problems do you want to solve and putting together what that product is. And then once you understand what that product is, creating the list of the kind of people that you want to work with and then from there, going out and pitching. All of my online courses are designed for you to be able to finish and complete in about an hour hour and a half and two hours. Fill with worksheets because I'm like, Listen and then do the work. Listen, do the work. This is not something that you drag out for like eight weeks because it's go time, especially now. It's pit season. That's what I'm calling it. And it's because brands right now are trying, they got to use up their money for the year and they're thinking about what do they want to do next year. So if you have something that's popping and you've always wanted to do something for Black History Month, this is your time. It's your time. If you're a Black woman and you wanted to do something for International Women's Day for Women's History Month, don't go start talking to people in February. They are they already done booked it. You should have been talking to them September, October. Like right now, September, October, November. Talk to them now because they're already planning three, four months ahead. So I'm like, get your strategy together now. Go and do your pitch. You can find it on my website. You can also send me a DM. I'll send you the link. But it's like, let's get in there. Let's do the work. Let's come up with our plan. And then let's put it into action. If you're enjoying this week's episode, do us a favor and screenshot it and share it to your Instagram stories and tag us at gogetterpodcast underscore to spread the love. And I know if you've learned anything through listening to this podcast, I know you'll love the Go Getter membership. It's the global community for Christian women entrepreneurs to build profitable brands and grow their faith. So whether you're just getting started and you just have an idea or you've already gotten your business started and you want to make it more profitable and grow your audience, this is a place for you to get plugged in with other women who want to see you win. We've had amazing member experiences like we've had a member come in and within six months make six figures in her business. We've had amazing results like that. And if you want to get plugged into this community with tons of online trainings, resources, expert masterclasses taught by people like me and other industry experts, you'll definitely want to get plugged in. So to check out what's going on at the Go-Getter membership, head over to gogettermembership.com and use the code gogetterpodcast at checkout to save 50% off your first month of membership. We'll see you inside. And now back to our episode. Girl, let's put it into action. Let's transition to the um, empowerment segment. And I feel like we got into this a little bit earlier (laughs) as we were talking about faith and just really stepping out on faith. But what would you tell the woman who is afraid of going after her next big thing? You know, I don't know the verse and some people are better at this than me. I want to say it's in Matthew, but it's about being a light unto the world. And it's about how we don't, you know, if you have a lamp in your house, you don't hide it. You're supposed to take it out into the world to serve as an example to to show other people. And I think that it's so important that we realize this is actually not about us. Yes, we are scared, but we're here to be of service to others. And You can be of great service through partnerships and through making money and use the skills and the gifts and the expertise that you have 
to go help other people solve their problems. When I go into a space with my creative ideas, people are really happy because they're like, wow, I would have never thought of this. I would have never been able to do this. And so if you're scared, please understand that there is somebody in a company, in a cubicle, on a Zoom right now that has a problem that's like, I wish somebody could help me figure this out. And if I had someone who could help figure this out for me, I would feel so much better. I probably would get a promotion at my job. I would be able to better serve my customers, but they need you to go out there and to be that light. And so once I realized that it wasn't really about me, it's about the people that I want to serve, it kind of freed me up a bit because it was like, I can still show up imperfect. I can still show up and I have everything together. I can send that email even when I'm a bit nervous because I know that once we start talking, when the ideas start flowing, it's going to be fantastic because they're going to be so excited. They're going to be so blessed. And so that's just, it's really, it's a mindset shift. We got to get out of our own selves, our own heads, our own ego, and really think about the people that we're called to serve. Girl, it's not about you. It's, it's never been about you. Listen, and, and it's beautiful that you said that because I have always been a go-getter and a visionary. And one of the things that I'll never forget um, that God would always tell me, even when I was in college, he would be like, it's not about you. And it's never been about you. And I'd be like, excuse me, like, why, <laughs> why you got to do me like that? But I think really conditioning my mind to understand that every vision that God has given us, yes, we want to see it thrive. Yes. We want to see it to go to the next level, but it's not about us, right? It's for the people that you're called to. It's for the impact that you're going to make in the, in the earth. And so I think that's super major and it, it really brings that message home today. Um, and so how can we stay connected with you after today? This has been such a pleasure just connecting with you and just hearing you, you said, you said this earlier that your superpower was breaking things down. And I can definitely tell by the way, just our conversation has gone. Like you've been very thorough. You're like, I'm going to give you and I'm going to break it down. So how can we stay connected with you after today? Yes. The number one thing is my email list because that's where I share the most interesting information and I share information about workshops and all that kind of stuff. So if you go to a4osa.com slash join, you'll be able to connect there. Or you can always tap the link in my Instagram bio. And my Instagram is at hello a 4 You can follow me and that's cool. I love it. I'm, I'll be out there acting a mess. But email is where I'm actually able to really give that in-depth information and knowledge. And please do feel free to send me a DM. If you have follow-up questions, let me know that you heard about me on the Go-Getters podcast. I'd love to connect and share and send you a, vo a voice note. I love it. Thank you so much. I know you guys enjoyed this episode, especially if you enjoyed it as much as I did. Make sure that you not only um, leave a review today, but also head over to AFWA's Instagram page and let her know that you enjoyed this as well. Um, as always, we love you guys. We're praying for you and we can't wait to see you on the next episode of the Go-Getter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Go-Getter Podcast. If you love this episode as much as I did, or if you're a loyal fan and you still haven't shared with us how this podcast has impacted you, do us a favor and drop us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That does us a huge help and we sincerely appreciate it. We want to know how this podcast has impacted you, how you have learned and grown from this podcast. And you know, as always, we love you. We're praying for you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time on the Go-Getter Podcast.